John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we pray now for the same Spirit who inspired these words before us, who breathed them out to come and give light to us, to open our ears, to renew our hearts, and to give new life, to give grace, and to, to help us to cling and look to Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, this morning we are looking at one of the most important passages in the whole Bible. And I don't say that just kind of lightly. This is one of the most important passages in the Bible. And the reason why it's so important is because Jesus makes some strong statements about salvation, specifically the new birth. In just a few words, Jesus clarifies that salvation does not come through your devotion to religious things. Salvation does not come through knowledge of the Bible. Salvation does not come through correct theology or beliefs. Salvation does not come through your good works or your ability to change. It comes through a miraculous new life from God. God has to renew a sinner's heart before he or she will have any interest in salvation and serving the Lord. And so in these verses, Jesus demands that you must be born again. 
And to make sure we're all clear on this, Jesus is not only speaking to Nicodemus. You may notice in your Bibles that there's that little footnote in verse 7. And if you look down at the bottom of the page, it tells us that this is a plural you. Jesus is not only speaking to Nicodemus, he's speaking to everyone. And so Jesus says to you, each and every one of us, you must be born again. If you have not been born again, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. You cannot become a Christian unless you are born again. And so this is important for everyone listening here this morning, whether you've grown up in the church or this is your first Sunday, the teaching of the new birth is foundational in our understanding of salvation. This is essential. This is non-negotiable. You must be born again. And for those of you who are taking notes this morning, I have separated the sermon into three different sections. So verses one to three, we'll see the necessity of the new birth. In verses four to eight, we'll see the nature of the new birth. And in verses nine to 15, we'll see the cause of the new birth. So the necessity of the new birth, the nature of the new birth, and the cause of the new birth. And the main point, what I hope you see in these verses is this. It's very simple. You must be born again. So look to Jesus. You must be born again. So look to Jesus. There must have been nobody more shocked to hear that they must be born again than this guy, Nicodemus, that we see in chapter three, verse one. He's a member of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. He seemed to have all the right credentials to be accepted by God. If there were anyone who didn't have to start over, it would have been Nicodemus. This leads us to our first section, the necessity of the new birth. Take a look at verse one. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So notice right away, Nicodemus doesn't ask Jesus a question. A lot of people think that Nicodemus is asking Jesus a question, but he makes a statement right here. One of the signs of humility is curiosity. So we must ask ourselves, do you ask questions because you really want to understand or are you like Nicodemus? Do you make statements because you feel like you already know? Many people, especially from church backgrounds, already presume that they have everything together spiritually. It's easy to assume that you have all the proper categories in line, that you're already operating from the right set of assumptions. And maybe you are, but maybe you're not. Nicodemus comes to Jesus with assumptions. We see here that he was a Pharisee. Most of you all know what, who the Pharisees were. They were the law keepers of the day. They knew the Bible well. 
Most of us, when we hear that word Pharisee, we think the bad guys, right? The dark side. But in their day, that's not how they were viewed. They were respected by the normal everyday person because they looked to the law and they took it seriously. And Nicodemus was one of these guys. He was a Pharisee. He was also a ruler of the Jews. This means he was part of this group called the Sanhedrin, which was composed of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they were the ones who were underneath Rome's rule, who were granted some authority to exercise over the Jewish people. And so we know that he was a Pharisee, but also a ruler of the Jews. And we also know that Nicodemus was a prominent teacher in Israel. Jesus refers to him in verse 10 as the teacher of Israel. So it's possible that Jesus is saying that he was the main teacher of Israel, maybe the most significant teacher in Israel. And so we see Nicodemus was a church going guy. He would have been there not only on Sunday mornings, but he would have been there for the Sunday night service. He would have been there for the small groups, the Sunday school, the prayer meetings, the weekly Bible studies. In fact, he was probably the one leading a lot of those things. And he was well known in the community. People knew Nicodemus. And so from all outward appearances, this guy seems to have it all together. He comes to Jesus during the night. There's many different interpretations on why John writes this. Um, But most likely he did this in order to just not be noticed. We've already seen that he's kind of a big deal. And so that means that he had a lot to lose coming to Jesus. And so he came to Jesus in secret. And John also might be mentioning this because all throughout the Gospels, there is this contrast between darkness and light. It's possible that John is symbolically pointing to the fact that Nicodemus is in the dark spiritually. He comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus calls Jesus Rabbi. This was a title of respect. And so keep in mind, Nicodemus is the teacher of Israel coming to Jesus and addresses him as an equal. That's significant. And he doesn't approach Jesus like the other religious leaders that we've seen who question his authority, who treat him with hostility. And then he says, we know. He's speaking on behalf of some group that have reached some certain conclusions about Jesus. They consider him a teacher. He and others have seen Jesus perform signs and miracles, and they're amazed by them. And he says, the miracles you are performing, no one can do these unless God is with him. So Nicodemus makes a lot of true statements here. If there were like this theological quiz for Nicodemus, Nicodemus is getting an A. But notice what Jesus does. In order to grab Nicodemus' attention, he doesn't respond to his statement. Instead, he shifts the conversation in a totally different direction. He's putting an end to all this small talk, and he's getting right to the heart of the matter. Do you see that in verse 3? 
Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you. Keep in mind, Jesus uses this phrase three times in this section. And he'll repeat it all throughout his gospel. And what he's saying is, believe me, what I'm saying is true. And so while he uses it, we must pay attention. There's something significant that Jesus is about to say. So truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This would have been shocking. Nicodemus would have assumed that because he's this deeply religious person, because he's a spiritual leader for his people, that he would have a place in the kingdom of God. And this one statement flips Nicodemus's world upside down. Miracles and signs were not what was important. What was important in this moment that Nicodemus needed to understand that he needed change. The Bible teaches that we are all corrupt. We are all full of sin all the way down. And so in order for us to be made right with God, a partial renovation of ourselves will not do. So we cannot clean up ourselves trying to do better. Self-improvement, that does not work. We need to be renewed from the inside out. And so Jesus tells Nicodemus, you need nothing less than a new birth. You must be born again. And the Greek word used here for again actually has two meanings. It could also mean from above. And so Jesus is saying you must be born again. And also you must be born from above. And being born from above points us back to the introduction of John's gospel. Chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 say this. But to all who did receive him, who all did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this word here means born again, but also born from above or born of God. And so anyone reading this gospel would put the two and two together. But Nicodemus in this moment does not. Nicodemus. A man who knew the scriptures well. A man who kept the law. A man who was high up in the social class. A man who was looked to as teacher. A man who thought highly of Jesus Christ is not going to heaven. He's not able to enter the kingdom of God. Well, at least at this point in his life. Here we see the necessity of the new birth. Jesus is exposing Nicodemus's need, and he's also exposing our need as well. We need to be born again. So we've seen the necessity of the new birth. Now let's look at the nature of the new birth. Nicodemus responds to Jesus. Look at verse four. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? All right. So there's two ways to understand what Nicodemus is saying here. The first way is maybe Nicodemus really thought Jesus was being literal. 
So that Jesus was saying that he had to go back into his mother's womb. Maybe. Doubt it. Maybe that's what he's saying. But keep in mind, Nicodemus has a PhD in religious studies. He's not a dummy. I think most likely his response to Jesus here doesn't mean he actually thought that he would have to physically be born again. He replies to the analogy that Jesus used. But at the same time, he doesn't fully grasp what Jesus means. He did understand that Jesus was saying that he's going to have to start all over again. I'm going to have to go back to the beginning. And so Nicodemus asks, how? How do I start over since I'm this old? Even in Nicodemus's question, we see him thinking that it's something that he's going to have to do. Something that is works based. When Jesus is saying that this is something that is not humanly possible. And so in response, Jesus doubles down. And he says in verse five, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he says what he said before, but in a different way. Instead of saying born again, he replaces born again with born of the water and the spirit. What does that mean? Born of water and the spirit? Well, here we need to understand something important about how we should read the Bible. So when we come across a phrase like this, born of water and the Spirit, we shouldn't start thinking what that means to us. That's not, that should not be our first thought. Our first thought, the first thing that we should do is that we should think about where in the Old Testament, so in the Bible that Jesus and Nicodemus had and read, do we find the reference to the water and the spirit? And we'll find it in Ezekiel chapter, chapter 36, verses 25 to 27, where God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God promised that one day he will change his people from the inside out. He will wash away their sins And he will give them new hearts that would enable them to love him and serve him. And so Jesus tried to help Nicodemus out here. He pointed back to the Old Testament. He was making the point that this new birth involved the cleansing of sin and the transformation of a heart by the Spirit. And notice that it is God who is doing all the work here. I will sprinkle clean water. I will give you a new heart. This is what the new birth is all about. And this is what we see in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, 
but according to his own mercy. Right here, ready? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Born of water and the Spirit. Jesus continues his explanation by saying in verses 6 to 8, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The birth, this new birth, comes from above. It comes from being born of God, being born of the Spirit. And so being born again doesn't mean that you turn over a new leaf. It's not something that we do. It's something that God does by His Spirit, where He radically changes us. This passage introduces us to a key gospel theme, a key doctrine, the doctrine of regeneration. It's one of the most important doctrines of the Christian faith, and it needs to be proclaimed clearly and frequently. Regeneration is the Holy Spirit's work of bringing us to life spiritually. It's a rebirth. It's being born again. Through regeneration, we are born again, and we are able to respond to the gospel and respond to God in obedience. In our confessional document, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 says this, Regeneration, or the new birth, is a work of God's grace, whereby believers become new creatures in Christ Jesus. It is a change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit through the conviction of sin to which the sinner responds in repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great definition of it. What Jesus is telling Nicodemus here is that salvation, entrance into the kingdom of God, is a work of God from start to finish. God's mercy. We see God's mercy in it. He moves towards us despite our sin and rebellion against him. And he makes us alive when we're spiritually dead. And for Nicodemus' entire life, he had believed that salvation came through his own works. There are many today, maybe possibly in this room, you believe that salvation has come through your own works. The Bible says no. This is a work of God alone. But Nicodemus must have found this extremely difficult to understand. But Jesus says you need to get over this. Stop marveling at this. You must be born again. And that term must is a strong term. The only way to be saved, the only way to enter the kingdom of God is you have to be born again. You must be born again. And then in verse 8, Jesus illustrates the Spirit's work with this example from nature. He says the wind can't be controlled. It just blows wherever it wishes. And the same is true of the Spirit of God. His sovereign work in the heart of a person cannot be controlled. It cannot be manipulated. It cannot be predicted. But its effects can be seen. 
The work of the Spirit can be seen in the transformed lives of those who have been born of the Spirit. But until God regenerates us, we're not even interested in God or Jesus or salvation. If we hear the gospel, it makes no impact on us. Instead, we're attracted to worldly things and sinful desires. But when we're born again, when God regenerates us, there is a significant change. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. I still remember the changes in my life when God regenerated my own heart. Where there used to be anger towards God. When he changed me, I began to love him and to trust him. The Bible, it used to be this boring, outdated book. But now God speaks to me through his word. I want to know it more. I desire to know it more. Before, I only prayed when I was in need or was in trouble. But now, I talk to God about everything. And before, I enjoyed sinning. But now my sins are ugly to me. You can't control or predict the new birth, but you can see its effects. The new birth is a work of God, not a work of man. No one is able to see or enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. All right, so we've seen the necessity of the new birth, the nature of the new birth, and lastly, let's look at the cause of the new birth. Look at verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Nicodemus says, how is this even possible? Really? A good moral person is no, no more closer to the kingdom than an atheist? How can these things be? Verse 10. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Read your Bible, Nicodemus. His knowledge of the Old Testament should have helped him understand what Jesus was saying. But Nicodemus is clueless. He had not received what Jesus was telling him. It doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter what family you grew up in. It doesn't matter how nice of a person you are. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know. There's only one criteria for entering the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Remember, Jesus says this three times in this passage. It's that important. Verse three, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse five, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And verse seven, you must be born again. 
And in verse 7, the pronoun changes from the singular to the plural. Jesus is making a statement to all of us, to the entire creation, to all humanity. The most important question for you to ask yourself this morning is this. Have I been born again? Have I been born again? You can attend a church for the rest of your life. You can be a good person and do a lot of good in this world and yet not be born again. What Jesus is saying here is in order to enter the kingdom of God, in order to receive eternal life, we need something to happen inside of us that is outside our control. We need a new birth. So now raise your hand if you played a part in deciding the day that you were physically born. All right, nobody. You passed the test. You had no control over your physical birth. And the same is true with your spiritual birth. It's a sovereign, gracious work of the Spirit of God. Nicodemus comes to Jesus as a good person. And Jesus tells him, this will not get you into heaven. So if I must be born again... And yet I cannot cause myself to be born again. Where does that leave me? Where does that leave us? Leaves us dependent on the mercy of God. That's exactly where Jesus wanted Nicodemus to be. And that's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. Dependent on the mercy of God. Because you know what religious people think? They think if I do this and if I do that, then God is going to have to do something for me. Nicodemus comes to Jesus thinking, well, I'm a good person. I'm a teacher of the law. I'm moral. I'm not like those people over there. So, of course, I'm on the inside track to the kingdom. But Jesus says no. In this text, Jesus wants all of us to feel our inability. We can't do this. You must be born again, but you can't do it. The whole section, Jesus is not telling Nicodemus or us what we need to do. He is saying that there is something that we cannot do that has to happen to us. And it's not our job to focus on how this supernatural, miraculous work of the Spirit is supposed to happen. He points out here that it's our job to look to Christ. Look at what Jesus says in verses 13 to 15. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus says, I am the one you need to listen to. Nicodemus, not only do you not know your Bible and you do not know who you listen to, you don't even know who I really am. Nicodemus came to Jesus, addressing him as 
rabbi, teacher, when he should have been addressing him as Savior, the Messiah. Jesus says in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Again, Jesus is pointing Nicodemus back to a passage in the Old Testament with which he was really familiar with. Numbers chapter 21. And in this passage, the people of Israel sin and they rebel against God and they had to be punished. And so God sends fiery serpents that bite the people. And some of them die. And then realizing that they had sinned, the people ask Moses to intercede with God. And when Moses intercedes, God answers with a cure. And he says for Moses to make a snake of bronze, to set it on a pole. And when someone was bitten, that person was to look to the bronze snake and they would live. What a weird story, right? It's weird. Looking to a bronze snake, have faith, the fact that God is going to heal them. God did it. God did it. But what was God doing? God was preparing his people for what Jesus says here. Because like the Israelites, we have sinned. And the punishment for sin is the curse of death. And we too have been bitten by the serpent and received his deadly poison. But Jesus came to this world and was lifted up on the cross to bear the curse that our sins deserve. And so the way of salvation then is not through self-improvement. The way of salvation is not through human effort. Salvation comes through looking to the crucified Christ in faith to be forgiven and live. The new birth is made possible, Jesus says, by the sacrifice of the Son of Man. And so there's two musts that we see in John chapter 3. Jesus says, you must be born again. But Jesus also says, so must the Son of God, Son of Man, be lifted up. These two must go together. Christ died for our sins so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That is the good news. Remember, Nicodemus asks, how can these things be, Jesus? How can these things be? The answer, because Jesus died for our sins, we can be born again. And so you must be born again. But you cannot make yourself born again. So what are you to do? What's the application? You are to look to Christ. Lifted up on the cross. And believe in him. A.W. Pink gives this great thought. He says, man became a lost sinner by a look. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, the woman saw that the tree was good for food. 
In the same way, the lost sinner is saved by a look. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. The Christian life continues by looking. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Let us run with patience the race which is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And at the end of the Christian life, we'll still be looking to Christ, for our citizenship is in heaven, from where we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. From first to last, the one thing required is looking to God's Son. You cannot make yourself be born again. So the call of the gospel is to believe. And if you sincerely believe, that is proof that you have been born again. Don't look inside. Don't look around. Look to the cross. Nicodemus did not know who Jesus was. But you can. Look and believe. You must be born again. So look to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus who descended from heaven, who came to dwell amongst us to teach, to perform signs, to gather his disciples and ultimately die on the cross for our sins in order that we would have new life to be born again. But he did not stay dead. He lives, he rose, and he reigns. And so, Lord, help us to look to him and believe. Lord, I pray that the truth about the the new birth would encourage us and motivate us in our evangelism, knowing that we only plant seeds. But, Lord, you are the one who works in the heart. May we rest in the goodness and love, knowing that many people whom we desire to, to know you, Lord, they might know you as you bring them from death to life. Let the knowledge of this doctrine give us patience with those who seem to be against us. Lord, we pray that your spirit would continue working in our lives, leading us to faith and repentance. And the fact that this is possible for man to be born again is truly a miracle. And so we give you all the glory and honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.